You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this week. I really, truly mean it. I say it every week because I mean it. I wouldn't say it if I didn't. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got a great interview this week today. I'm talking to Brian from The Shootouts, who are a great band. If you're into country music in any capacity, you should check them out. And if you're into some wild guitar playing, you should also check them out. So even if you don't think you're a country fan, give them a listen. I think you're going to appreciate what they're doing. It's very, very, very cool. And we'll get more into that on the episode. But before I do, just a little bit of business to get out of the way. Well, not so much business, but more a request. I could use some reviews. I know I don't ask for those very often. I should probably ask every episode the way most podcasts do, but I would really appreciate if you could throw me a review wherever you listen to this show. I know it seems kind of weird and kind of redundant, especially if you've done it before, but it really does help a lot with new listeners because people will come to the show, they'll look at it and they'll go, hmm, the last review on this was from six months ago. Is this show even still a thing? And fresh reviews help them know that yes, this is still an active thing, and yes, people are still enjoying it. So that really helps a lot. So please throw me some stars on Spotify if that's where you listen. Throw me a review on Apple if that's where you listen, as well as some stars. I would appreciate that as well. Or whatever your preferred player asks for, please go ahead and take a few minutes right now. Before we get into this episode, please just take a few seconds and do that for me. It would help immensely. So thank you, thank you, Thank you to everyone that's done that. All right, let's stop dilly-dallying so we can do more jibber-jabbering with Brian from The Shootouts. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have... Brian Poston from the Shootouts. What's going on, dude? Yo, <clears throat> you know, uh, I was. I'm excited to get you on here. I, a lot of the listeners know I. I tend to be. I tend to focus on a little more uh, punk and hardcore and things like that as far as artist goes, just because that's that's my wheelhouse. But I. I grew up on country music, and I love country music. <laughs> and uh, so when uh, Josh hit me up. I uh, immediately dove in and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this this guy knows his way around a Telecaster, so we're going to have to talk about this <laughs> pretty extensively. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about your backstory? That's what I really want to get into. When did you pick up the instrument, and uh, what, what are some of your influences? Let's start there. Sure, man. Yeah, so I, I actually don't remember when I started. I was a little kid. Um, my dad got my mom one of those Epiphone uh you know, J45, uh, cheapy acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, I just, I was able to play. She had a little chord book, uh, full of Elvis songs. And I, oh. I, I, yeah, it had little chord charts in there. I remember that. And anyway, I was learning how to play love me tender in like a week or two. Um, so that's how I, I first started. Um, then, um, yeah, I, I actually am like a, a. I started out as a metal guitar player too. Okay, <laughs> uh, before nice. before the before the country thing, but um, yeah, uh, uh, Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, all that's pretty much where I learned uh, learned all my chops from in the early days. But you know, as I got older, uh, I started playing in a bunch of cover bands, mostly uh, uh, country cover bands, and it pretty much took over my life. <laughs> after that it's only been playing tellies started out with pointy guitars and now i got a bunch of round ones <laughs> yeah. yeah the the pointy guitars are uh they're making a comeback i feel like they were, they were kind of maligned for a while but now they're i think uh i don't know if it's due to stranger things or what but people are starting to play the pointy guitars again so <laughs> yeah metallica's rad yes yep, yep. <laughs> so you started to play in, in country cover bands, but uh, you're not currently playing in a cover band. So uh, how did that band form? How did the shootouts get yeah. together? Yeah, so I had a college professor, and he was playing uh, with this pop rock singer-songwriter. His name's Ryan Humbert. Um, and he was looking to, to, to go on the countryside of things. And um, 
anyway, my, my teacher introduced me to, to this guy and uh, we hit it off immediately. We're just talking Buck Owens and Merle Haggard and all this awesome uh, old school honky tonk music. And, and at, the shootouts actually started as a cover band okay. doing, doing throwback stuff. And um, we're in Cleveland, Ohio. So there's not, there's not a ton of that uh, stuff going on <laughs> up here. And uh, anyway, we, we did our first gig. It was like a bolt of lightning, dude. Every, the crowd reaction and the way we felt about playing the music, it just connected immediately. And, um, it grew from there. We, we made a demo record probably, or I think it was around 2017, maybe 18, um, of, of a handful of original tunes and some cover tunes. And, uh, yeah, we took off from there, man. Just kept, kept on going with it. You woke up one day and Marty Stewart was knocking on your door. Is that how that happened? Uh, so we were we were opening uh, for Marty at uh, a theater in Warren, Ohio, and he actually approached me after the gig, and he was like, "Man, that was some killer guitar playing." And Kenny Vaughn came up, gave me their phone numbers, and it was like it was insane. And anyway, I, I just shot him a question. It was like, "Hey, man, we're making this record right now. Um, would you be interested in playing on it?" And he freaking he said, "Yes, man, man of his word." So so cool, Un, unreal moment. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, man, it was it was rad. We went to Nashville. He did an overdub, got to hang out with Marty for a couple hours and got to play guitar with him. He ended up playing mandolin on the record. But um, yeah, it was unreal. That's incredible. Yeah, that's not too often you get to meet a living legend like that, let alone get to collaborate with them. That's that's just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hall of Fame, Country Music Hall of Famer now, too. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just a, a gentleman in every way. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, what studio were you at in Nashville? Uh, so we overdubbed with Marty at Sound Emporium. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's a, you know, Johnny Cash is recorded there. Kenny, just this legendary studio. Oh, yeah. And actually, yeah, when we walked in the studio, first thing Marty did was there's a bunch of photos on the, on the wall, the, the folks that have been there. And he picked up the, this picture of Johnny Cash. He's like, I took that photo. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a really cool moment. And then, you know, uh, we got a picture with Marty, and we're up there on that wall now, which is just insane. But that's um, incredible. So, yeah, we did most of the tracking, though, here in uh, Kent, Ohio. Um, a friend of ours has a really, really nice home studio all the craziest outboard gear you'll ever see, like probably millions of dollars in gear in there. Um, but yeah, it's called Son of Moon Dog Studio. It's in Kent, Ohio. That's where we primarily did the record. Some good friends of mine just moved from Nashville to Kent, Ohio. Uh, the, oh. the folks from uh, Big Ear Pedals. I don't know if you're familiar Big- with uh, no, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, they, 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 they were in New York, and they moved to Nashville, and now they're in, in Kent, Ohio. And uh, I did a collaboration with them last year. It was the, a lot of people saw it, but it was a guitar pedal shaped like a piece of pizza. It's because it's kind of a thing. <laughs> That's but awesome, yeah, that, the pizza tone. Uh, <laughs> Greasy. Oh, oh, man, well, we, we'll get into that later. That's a big, <laughs> it's a big thing on this show. But, uh, yeah, I was like, Kent, Ohio, why do I know Kent? Oh, yeah, because Grant and Karen moved there, so. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty well known in the pedal world. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, man. I, I haven't heard of them. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, you should. They're good people. Um, well, speaking of pedals, like what uh, what does your typical rig look like for a, a shootout show? Oh man, that I was am a tongue sim- twister. A shootout show. Yeah, shootout yeah, lots show. of S's. There, I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I have a super simple rig, man. I'm a Tele into a Princeton, or uh, I go with the twin or a Delu- you know Fender. Fender mm-hmm. amp, and then, dude. To be completely honest, my most expensive pedal is a Peterson tuner. Well, hey, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, and I, I, I do. Uh, I, I like slapbacks. Uh, I, I don't use anything fancy. I use the the Boss DD3 or, um, man, what's the? I have um, the green one. It's the analog slapback. I forget what the name of it is. Uh, the oh my, is it the carbon copy? The MXR carbon copy. copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I use that sometimes too. It just depends on the gig whether I want it to be a little bit, you know, floody or, or um, you know, vintage vibey or more precise. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, phase ninety, pretending to be Waylon Jennings. Absolutely, sometimes. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I have a. 
I don't really use distortion, but I do have an Earthquaker plumes on there if I really if I want to be a rock and roll guy for a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I switch between that and a speaker speaker cranker. The Earthquaker's out of Akron, so I know a couple guys up there and have messed with uh, a handful of their distortion boxes. And those things are awesome. Yeah, the speaker cranker and the plumes, awesome pedals. Hundred percent. Love love EQD. Love Jamie and Julie. They're fantastic. Yeah. So they've both been on the show before, and those are great episodes, everybody. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to those. Earthquakers, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so, but back in the day, though, so this is something I like to get to with with guests sometimes is going through the evolution of the rig. So if you were playing Randy Rhodes and that type of thing back in the day, what was the old rig like? So yeah, I, I was a Mesa guy for a while. You ever heard of the Rocket? Uh, rocket amps that they had they're rad they're little combos uh, my amp so. was called the Ro- rocket 44 i had one of those i had a, a stiletto and a lone mm-hmm. star so i yeah. went through i went through the gamut with mess amps and then pointy guitars dude i had the jacksons the the ibanez <laughs> I, I never i never had a bc rich but i think i had just about every version of a jackson guitar because i loved randy road so much nice nice yeah man yeah, Randy Rhodes. It's I. It's weird. I've got. It's not in frame here, but I've got a white Les Paul custom, and uh, oh, everybody's so cool. everybody's always like, "Oh, Randy Rhodes." And like, admittedly, I love Randy Rhodes, but yeah, it was actually like listening to more like hardcore bands and stuff. They were always playing Les Paul customs, and mm. it was that era that got. But ironically, they were probably inspired by Randy Rhodes to pick those up in the first place. But uh, everyone sees it like, "Yeah, Randy Rhodes," and I'm like, "Yeah, Randy." Rhodes, that's the reason I have it. Sure. <laughs> Dude, I wanted I wanted a Les Paul. That cream color, I wanted one so bad. Just never could afford it. I was too young. Oh, I could God, definitely... Yeah. And, yeah, man. They're a beautiful, beautiful guitar. The, yeah. The listeners have heard this before, but customs are a weird one for me because I, I love Les Pauls and I have a, a few of them and it's kind of like, feels like home to me. But it took me a long time to find a custom that I actually liked more than my cheap special that I have. I would pick them up and I don't know. I feel like customs are just very, very picky for some reason. I, I, I've i probably p- played, I don't know, 15 or 20 different ones trying to find the right one over several, several years, over like 10 years. And it, it, I began to think like, well, maybe I don't like Les Paul customs. Maybe I just like how they look. <laughs> and then I found, I found the one. So I accidentally bought it out from... Bought it out from under uh, from Bill from Macedon. I didn't know that at the time, but what? That's so cool. It's <laughs> awesome, man. He texted the store that I bought it from the picture of me holding it. Like ee! he's like, "Do you still have this guitar?" <laughs> I was like, "No, that dork bought it." So, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, tell me a, a little more about like I want to get into what's the process of writing for you guys look like are you the primary songwriter or how does the song come together for your band sure so we're a big collaboration of uh songwriters in our band so everybody uh you know does something um i'm i'm primarily the guy that makes all the the hooks and but uh ryan humbert is is primarily the songwriter and um there's another cat in the in the band that isn't playing with us anymore because of a he has a back problem. He's a pedal steel player. Oh, and man. also, yeah, incredible songwriter. Um, he, we still rehearse at his house and everything. He's just, he's a part of the band. He's just not playing with us. Uh, his name's Al Moss, incredible songwriter. Um, and again, it usually starts with, with a really simple song, you know, and um, sometimes I take home the song and make my little tweedly doos and the hooks and <laughs> try to arrange, you know, in country music, it's, there's always a hillbilly horn part. Sure. So that's like, that's usually my job is to, to get all of the, that cool stuff on top. But yeah, I, I don't write the, the, any words or anything like that. And um, yeah, and it's also cool. Our, we do instrumental tunes in our, in our band. And I, you know, I write everything. I even write the drum parts out for, <laughs> oh. for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it mo- it's a big collaboration. I'm usually responsible for all the hooks and stuff like that. Cool. So mm-hmm. When you're writing out drum parts, are you doing that? Like, do you have a drum set there that you're working on or are you programming them or what are you doing? 
Yeah, man. I really dig this program, Easy Drummer. It's so easy to use. They have really nice loops, and they have this really pretty sounding uh, vintage Nashville kit in this little uh, box, you know, and and there's brushes that actually sound like brushes. It's a really incredible um, little, uh, I forget what it's called. It was like an add-on to the plug-in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I paid whatever the 50 bucks for it. And I use it more than any other tool, I think, in <laughs> in uh, the, the DAW land. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that's what I do. I just write it. I either find a loop I really like or I edit it. I edit the things if there's little changes I want accented. But yeah, it's, it's how I do it. Very cool. Yeah, I, I still haven't used Easy Drummer yet, though. I keep almost like almost pulling the trigger on it. Like, ah, and then I don't for some reason. So I'm just using like the built-in like logic drummers and stuff, which are fine mm-hmm. for basic. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to do a 30 second pedal demo here. Like those work fine for that, but it'd be mm-hmm. cool to add some more, some more flair to it. Uh, and um, easy I, drummer seems I like a recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's great. Probably, like I said, I think it's the best investment I ever made as far as plugging goes. Incredible. Plugins are uh, something that I'm not like brand new to, but like slightly new to. I've always been this out of the sure. box. I built this whole like ridiculous studio in like 2014 or so because like the digital stuff just wasn't quite there yet. It was right on the cusp. That was like the year 2015 or so is when things started getting really good. And mm-hmm. uh, the I built this whole thing and it's double walled and all this so I could crank my tube amps and just get loud and be ridiculous. And had digital stuff been as good as it is now, then I may have never ever built that. So like (laughs) it would have saved me a lot of money and a lot of time. Oh, Yeah. You can't beat the real thing, but (laughs) well, that's, that's true. Yeah. My camera's being stupid here. Sorry. There we go. Stop, stop focusing. There we go. (laughs) That's annoying. Mm. Um, but yeah, recently I got the, uh, I'm good friends with Chris Benson at Benson amps and I got his plugin he did with Mixwave, and it's completely changed my workflow. Like I'm not setting up mics for two hours and trying to get the phasing Mm -hmm. right and all that stuff anymore. I'm just like plug in play. Wow. That sounds great. Uh, I'm done. (laughs) It's it's incredible what you You can't beat. Yeah, for demoing, man, you can't beat plug and play. I don't think it's just so fast. Especially, you know, not not the final product, but you know, if you're demoing stuff, you can't beat it. Yeah. Do you have any amp sims that you like? You know, I don't. I actually don't use amp sims. I uh, I prefer mic miking my amps, but I do have those. Have you heard of the Fender Tone Master series? Yes. Yes. So I have every Tone Master. That's how much I love this stuff. Whoa. Um. So it's a direct out you know, straight into my little Apollo twin over here. And then I have like, I have a preamp and a compressor, but, um, just out of convenience for making demos or YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, that's what I use. It's, it's kind of like an amp sim, but not really (laughs) (laughs) sort of if that counts. Yeah. I I mean, it certainly is an easy solution. Like I, Mm -hmm. I played the, uh, the deluxe reverb version, but, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with it. I, I don't have one, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll get one. Hmm. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate. And 99 preset locations in 33 banks? And something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use 
something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Yeah, and check out, they it. just came out with, yeah, they got, they just came out with the Princeton. I think it was this year. I got the Princeton. It's probably the, the most impressive out all of them. I think it is identical, you know, and you can play at one watt in your bedroom and not, you know, mess with your neighbors. It's awesome. <laughs> Do you play shows with it? Yeah. Yeah. Always. Wow. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a real print, you know, a real one, a silver face from the seventies. Um, but I, I much prefer to bring the Tone Master. I could beat it up, and it doesn't matter. There's no tubes to get destroyed. And, dude, the the sound men freaking love it. It is <laughs> – you know, it's the most – to me, it's the most important thing, you know, that the audience has a nice experience. It's not all about yourself up there. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a great amp for uh, gigging. It's unreal. It sounds so good in the, in the house. That's what – yeah. Can't sell it enough about that. It's insane. Do you, when you play live with the Princeton, do you, are you using the line out on it or are you micing that up? Yeah, line out, wow. direct out. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. When, when you use the direct out on it, can you still hear sound through the speaker or does it bypass the speaker? Yeah, you could use the speaker or you can bypass the speaker. Yeah, I, I play it one watt sometimes. It depends on the show, you know. If you're in a tiny little club, you, and but there's a big PA in there, you know, you don't have to crank your amp and destroy everybody's ears. And the sound man could adjust everything. We're, and yeah, shootouts are a really quiet band, and you know, playing traditional country music. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. not out there rocking <laughs> super hard. Yeah, but I, yeah, man. You guys can rock out. pretty hard sometimes. I've heard it, at least on the recording. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we definitely do rock, but we we try to save each other's ears. Playing 30 dates in a row together, you know, it's trying to save everybody's ears. Get, getting to be old, worried about our hearing. <laughs> it's important, man. And I was just talking yeah. to, uh, to my friend Brian Wampler the other day about this because he's playing with a band. And he, you know, was like, the, some of the guitar players in that band, they don't want to use any kind of in-ear monitors or ear protection or anything and they're playing kind of some louder bars and stuff and they're making fun of him because he's putting in ear protection and he's like hey (laughs) you know like you guys may be okay with losing your hearing he's like if i lose my hearing i'm out of a job like (laughs) i can't design guitar pedals if i can't hear what they sound like you know he's like i guess if i was you know doing something else for a living as a librarian it wouldn't matter that much but yeah, they're, it's it's funny that that stigma still exists. Like, come on, it's rock and roll. You gotta not hear later. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I got over that real quick, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I prefer a quiet band. I like drummers that are respectful. You know, they're not just the hard. I mean, I love Dave Grohl's playing and stuff, but I don't know if I'd want to be next to his his kit playing with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting. Yeah. It's important. You got to save your ears, man. It's your primary source of uh, taking everything in. And, and yeah, high end hearing loss. I, I got. The, I'm only thirty, and I definitely noticed the high end hearing loss already. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, I I got some of that from my old job. Actually, it was uh, I was a diesel mechanic, and they would regularly test us. And it was as soon as I started testing like oh like you definitely have a a bit of high-end loss it wasn't bad but it was like you have some mild (laughs) high-end loss that freaked me out and so it was always just like earplugs like i'm not gonna lose my hearing do this stupid engine it's not worth it (laughs) Mm -hmm. i was always always putting in earplugs if i'm gonna if i'm not gonna have a good hearing it's gonna be because of a concert not because of i was using a (laughs) hammer that's just stupid (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure man Yeah, yeah yeah 
So have you gotten the opportunity, other than the obvious Marty Stewart, have you gotten the opportunity to go on any interesting tours or uh, meet other people that you never thought you were going to meet? Oh, man. So with this band, we've we've worked with some pretty rad folks. Um, Are you you familiar with Jim Campolongo? Uh, I know the name. Yes, I do. Oh, he is my favorite guitar player in the world. And uh, we got to make a record with Jim Campolongo and Luca Benedetti. They're like a, a duo, two of the best guitar players in the world, in my opinion. Uh, our first record's called Quick Draw, and uh, they produced that. And, oh, my, I got to play guitar with one of my heroes. Uh, that was an incredible experience. Um, our second record's called Bullseye. Uh, Chuck Mead is from BR549. He produced that record. We got to do a couple shows with him. That's one of my favorite honky tonk bands of all time. Uh, and Stampede uh, is produced by Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel. And uh, so this year we've been out. We I think we did ten shows with Asleep at the Wheel. That's a West. Are you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Western Swain band. Uh, incredible. And so we we've been playing theaters, man, for thousands of people with Asleep at the Wheel. Wow. Uh, it's been, I'm, I mean, I've never been in a theater band. So it was just incredible to, to get to have that opportunity to do that with those guys. That is, that is really cool. Was it intimidating to go play guitar with some of your heroes? Because like me, it took me a oh. long time even to just be able to play in front of anybody without just falling apart. But obviously mm-hmm. you're very experienced you're a very good guitarist but did you have any butterflies in those uh moments oh my goodness when i met jim i was terrified i was so scared uh uh, and he's he's the the chillest most relaxed dude of all time and i'm sitting there all twisted up (laughs) like oh i i can't play notes in front of this guy because i'm pretty much a rip off of jim i that's how i think of myself I, i try to emulate his playing more than anyone else and um, anyway, he was the, the coolest person uh, and like a, a mentor in a way. He gave me a list of records to check out and books to, to uh, study guitar, what, what he did when he was coming up. And but yeah, man, it was it ended up being really cool. But I was terrified to play in front of Jen. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. What were some of those books for the uh, listeners at home? Ooh, let me pull these. I actually got them sitting over here. Oh, convenient. It's like we planned yeah. it. We didn't, though. Yeah, we didn't. I just have, I have my little, I practice every day. This is an incredible book. Jay Friedman's Guitar Chords, Arpeggios, and Studies. Have you ever seen this book? I have, yes. I've yeah, never opened I it, but freaking, I've seen it. I freaking, and it's for, it's kind of dummy proof. They give you these little examples with the, the, the block chords, you know, where to put your fingers and, Anyway, it's just a, a, a huge book of arpeggio studies. Um, every chord, um, it's kind of like the Ted Green book where it has every inversion of that you could ever think of. Oh, yeah. I have this, that one. Yeah. Yeah, the chord chemistry. It's kind of like that, except it's all arpeggios. This is one of the coolest books I've ever read. I think I learned more from this book than I did going to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. This is a great book. And uh, you hip to Mickey Baker. No. Yeah, it's a country guy. He has this record called Wildest Guitar. Uh, you should check it out. It's a crazy sounding record. Um, anyway, he has a study book. It's it's jazz, uh, chord shapes, progressions, arpeggios again. Uh, uh, recommended by Jim. This is an incredible book. It's a little bit harder because it's all in normal sheet music. You have to be able to read to learn everything from this book. Oh, I can... Uh... I can kind of. It'll take me like four hours to figure out the uh, the first three notes, but I can figure it out. F A C E. I'm so bad at it. So bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I, I'm. I mean, I read every day, but I'm not. I can't sight read. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you get better. You know, the more you do it. I try to to learn one song from the real book, like every day, working on my my reading, but. um yeah, those are the two that. Let me see. Do I have any other ones in here? No, oh, I got some pedal steel books. I'm a pedal steel player too. Oh, geez, <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite sounding instruments on the planet. I absolutely Same. love pedal steel. 
and I'm absolutely terrified to buy one and try it because I'm like, that's an expensive thing that I'm not oh. sure if I'm going to be able to get my head around or not. <laughs> Dude, there's there's some great lessons out there now. Paul, you know who Paul Franklin is? Mm-mm. Oh, the pedals, probably the, the foremost pedal steel player alive right now. Okay. He has a whole course. You could learn everything ever about the pedal steel from his online course. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be too scared. There's plenty of resources out there nowadays. It's crazy how much uh, it's changed in like five, six years because of uh, the internet. <laughs> what kind of pedal steel do you have? I have two. I have um, a 10-string uh, Nashville LTD. Uh, I, I believe the, the guy that made that guitar is from the Emmons Company, mm-hmm. and he went off and did his own thing. It's a beautiful guitar. It's just like a an Emmons guitar, uh, four, it's four by three, four knee levers, three pedals. Um, and it's tuned to E9, a standard, you know, what you doing all the standard, um, Nashville sound and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a ZB guitar, Zane Beck, uh, is the, the guy that built those guitars. Tom Brumley from the Buck Owens band had, he was a ZB guy. I found this guitar in a, uh, it was in a barn for probably 30 years. Whoa. And it's in impeccable shape. Other than some of the the rods underneath rusted out, it's a it's a double neck. It's got a C six neck and an E nine neck up top. And I think how many? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's got eight pedals underneath and four knee levers. It's a, it's a wild sounding guitar, and it has these weird pickups in it. I believe one pickup was changed, but it's from the '60s, man. It sounds wild. It's a wild sounding pedal steel guitar. That's so cool. <laughs> So this is yeah. this is an entirely selfish and self-serving question, but for a mediocre guitarist who's thinking about getting into pedal steel like myself, uh, what what where would where would I even begin? I know I like how they sound, oh. but like I don't know the first place. Like what where even to look? Oh. What should I look there's for? There's pl- plenty of research. Have you ever? Um, there's this website. It's called the Pedal Steel Guitar Forum. Oh well, of course, of course there is. <laughs> of course, and it's all the heavy. I mean, the, the pedal steel world's pretty small. Sure. So, like, all the famous cats are in the forum chatting about for parts, talking about players. Um, it's it's a really awesome resource, and you could go down the list on the. You know, there's a little side tab. Whatever you want to know about pedal steel guitar is in that in that website on that forum. Um, Very nice. Use guitars, lessons, you know, anything like that. That's where you should start if you're you know interested in uh, checking out the pedal steel guitar. It is so much fun to play, and it's it's an addiction too. Oh, as good. a warning, it's <laughs> it's so much fun, so much fun to play. Oh yeah, I don't have a tendency to get addicted to musical things at all, so that won't be a problem for my <laughs> wallet. I'm sure it'll be totally fine. <laughs> we are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to Strictly coming from my plane damage. 
I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseflintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. Do you, uh, this sounds kind of weird to say, uh, do you play pedal steel with pedals at all? Do you like use any reverb or delay on it or do you just kind of go straight in and, and let it rock? Yeah, I'm super simple, man. I, I'm, a, you know, a kind of a traditionalist in that, yeah, I plug straight in. Most important pedal is the tuner to me. Sure, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and you know, I love I love reverb on pedal steel. Who does it? And delay is really nice too. But, you know, used in the right way. Slap back, again, not old school like that. I, I just really like the, the classic pedal steel tone. Very nice. Really clean. Yeah. Very nice. So, yeah, so this is a, this is a bit of a, a segue from the uh, traditional stuff that we, we were talking about. But do you listen to much of uh, anything else these days? I know you said you started as a metalhead and ended up as a country guy. But uh, what do you, like, when you're feeling, feeling feisty, what are, you, what are you putting on these days? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love country music so much, but I still am a metalhead. I think Mashuga might be my favorite yeah. metal band of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I freaking love Mashuga. Uh, yeah, in, in Periphery and Animals as Leaders, I'm kind of into that that prog thing, mm-hmm. that metal prog thing. It grooves, man. It grooves so hard. Actually, I got to see Mashuga at OzFest. Man, probably... I was I was a young kid. I was probably eighteen years old. Tightest <laughs> tightest band I've ever seen in my entire life. It was the most disgusting show, crushing, crushing show. Yes, I've ever seen. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a strange thing for a country music guy to be in the into that, but I definitely am. It's awesome. <laughs> you know what? I don't think it's as weird as it sounds because I know a lot of metalheads that are. Like specifically, shout out Jason. You know who I'm talking to right now. Uh, he was he's into everything heavy. You know, black metal, like all kinds of stuff. Just everything super heavy. And uh, he's a moderator in the uh, uh, Tone Mob Facebook group. And him and the me and the other moderator, we like that stuff too. But he also knows that we're big country music fans. And so he's like, "All right, guys, I don't even know where to start. Like, what do I do? You know?" <laughs> <laughs> and we're like Merle Haggard. Like you're gonna listen to Merle Haggard, and turns out, yeah, Merle Waylon. Like it all seems to, it all seems to translate for some reason. Like there's, there's a lot of uh, mutual respect. I feel like in in those two worlds for for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't. On the surface of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it it does seem that uh, there's a connection there somewhere. Oh, I, there's definitely a punk rock connection in in country music. I. It's a kind of a. Have you ever heard of cow punk? That oh, yeah. genre. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. That's a really cool uh, connection. There. I mean, it's it's pretty much rock and roll, but with with the country twang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, that's a really cool genre of music too. I mean, uh, shootouts kind of. We go in that vein sometimes. A little uh, bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of punk rocky. I mean, there's definitely a connection between rock and roll and and country music. It's um interchangeable i mean they're they're both based in the same foundation so music's music man that's true it's always weird to me to think about like because drums are just so central to pretty much everything that i listen to including country and i sometimes forget that they their drums were like not allowed in the grand Ole opry for a long time it's hard to even imagine right isn't that so weird well when you when you listen to old Hank Williams songs, you know, hey, good mm-hmm. looking. It sounds like there's a drummer. Yes. You know, it does. And it's just Hank playing, uh, chucking along on his uh, acoustic guitar there. It sounds just like a drum set. I mean, he, I think he was getting away with it. But yeah, they wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't allow drums then. It's just nuts. And same thing with bluegrass music. It, it sounds like there's a drum going on with the mandolin doing the backbeats and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, unreal. Unreal that the, wouldn't have let the drummer on yeah. Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who the first one to do it was. Was it Hank Williams? 
I don't know for sure. I think actually, I think I do know. I think it's Ernest Tubb. Oh yes, yes. I think you're right. I about think that. it's Ernest Tubb with the mm-hmm. Texas Troubadours. They mm-hmm. wanted a electrified amps and a, and a drummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. speaking of this, I this is a this is another random aside, but I somebody was asking me about this. Oh yes, it was a a listener posted something that said uh, they were listening to they were listening to Towns Van Zant and. They were like, I didn't know I had this bone in my body. And I was just like, told my wife, I was like, I think Towns is, you know how some people are like, ah, oh, those video games, they're ruining the kids, you know, or they're, you know, they're, everyone's always blaming some sort of media for something. Uh, I love Towns Van Zant, but I think he's like the only one that's like genuinely a little bit da- dangerous to listen to if you're not feeling that great. sure sure it's uh it's such an intense songwriting process and i've heard of people like who got depressed and listened they're like i had to stop listening to towns for a while because oh man it it, like really it'll drag you down into the depths i don't know very many other songwriters of any genre that could do that oh yeah john prine has some weepers man he writes some of the saddest music oh man (laughs) yeah and you know I think Jason Isbell writes some of the saddest songs too. Unreal. Oh, yeah. yeah some writers, man, I, I, they, they seem so happy, but they write the saddest music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Towns, Towns for sure. Another one of those it comes off. He came off kind of as a, a sad guy from the, the things I've seen online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jason is uh, probably the first songwriter that i can remember where like i was fine i was just driving in my car on the way to work one day and uh i played his new record had just come out and i was like oh what's this if we were vampire song i'll put this on Mm -hmm. okay and i just started (laughs) (laughs) just weeping like a baby and i called my wife i was like don't listen to this (laughs) you're gonna cry and then she's like why'd you tell me not to listen to it now i've listened to it now i'm crying too (laughs) yeah jason jason's uh absolutely incredible with that he's an amazing guitar player too oh man so good so good yeah i i am really excited i'm i'm good friends and he sponsors the show with uh joel at chase bliss the pedal company and jason has a massive drawer on his live rig that's full of chase bliss pedals but I've never really heard that in his music, even when I've seen him live. But I know he has it. I've seen the rig rundowns. I'm, I've always wondered how he implements those kind of weird, crazy sounds. Because I don't know if you've played any Chase Bliss pedals or have really looked into them. But um, no, I haven't. They're they're really insane. Like there's there's all kinds of crazy like loopers that you can like degrade and make things granular and Ooh, run back into itself. Cool. Things you've mm-hmm. never really thought that you would want to do, <laughs> but once you do it, it's pretty wild. I some people are like, oh, they're bleep bloop machines, and like that's kind of true. With with <laughs> you can make them do that. I just don't know what Jason does with all those things. He's got a one of the biggest live rigs I've ever seen as far as pedals go. But his songs are usually pretty simple. And his guitar ahead. tone is yeah. yeah he's kind of <laughs> got like just a, he sounds like Neil Young sometimes to me mm-hmm. when he's playing that Les Paul. But uh, yeah, man, he just sounds like a straight up rocker most of the time. I've, I've seen him a couple times uh, with the Les Paul rig, man. It, it, it huge sound coming out of that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think ha- the future has in store for the shootouts? Like what is a, what is your guys' ultimate goal? Is there, you have a, some sort of aspirations like I want to sell out red rocks or like what, what are you guys, what are you guys planning on? Yeah, man. I mean, we're, we're a traditional honky tonk band. (laughs) So, you know, I, you know, red rocks would be a dream. I mean, we would be happy to, to, to break into the theater, you know, crowd. We would be content with that, you know, making a living touring theaters um, to sell five, you know, a thousand tickets or that would be amazing and be able to travel around and do that. Um, but I mean, we're playing the grand Ole Opry on February 24th. I was I, say. We, we, <laughs> we hit, we hit a milestone. It's unreal. I can't believe it's happening. Um, I can't be more excited about anything in the world. I've always dreamt of some uh, playing the grand Ole Opry. It's just 
an honor to have the opportunity to do that. But um, yeah, man, hoping hoping to 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 play theater gigs. That's that's the biggest goal. I think that's really doable. I mean, I know you. It may sound kind of weird. You're like, we're a traditional country band. I don't see that happening. But like, I feel like now more than ever, there's a real hunger for that stuff. I think the general population has finally gotten kind of sick of the bro country thing, at least seemingly. And now we're seeing people like Charlie Crockett, like really hitting it, like pretty big. And uh, I mean, Tyler Childers, which is like a different thing than what you guys are doing, obviously, but it's in the same spirit, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if, if I think now is the time for this stuff to start finally turning people's ear, you know, um, I saw Zach Bryan this summer uh, at uh, just here in my backyard. He's like 15 minutes from my house playing this like local show. I'm not kidding. There was like 30,000 people there for that guy. It was insane. (laughs) Insane. I didn't realize how popular he was. I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. And I went to the show and there was a bunch of other bands playing that I wanted to see. And and there was, you know, a couple hundred to a couple thousand people watching each one because it's kind of a festival. And when Zach Bryan came on, you couldn't move. There was no room in the is outdoor venue. There was so many people there. I don't I don't even know how many people were actually there. It was it was a it was a festival that sold out, which doesn't happen all that often. <laughs> you know, it was completely yeah, that's full. Crazy. He's yeah. he's the tip TikTok, right? Is that where he blew up? That was where he was... first started, yeah. Just playing yeah. Uh, playing on TikTok and YouTube. Like and YouTube. Yeah. I think that's the it sounds weird to say it's the future when it's been a thing for a long time, but he's the best example that I could see of somebody who really exploded beyond that, but utilizing those platforms to get to where he is now. Yeah. I think he was on Yellowstone or something. Yeah. It's crazy. All from TikTok or YouTube. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, you do a little bit of YouTube in yourself, right? Yeah, I I post transcriptions of really old tunes that, you know, a lot of folks haven't heard before. I, I really enjoy doing that, trying to share stuff that folks never heard of. Um, mm-hmm. you, you you hip to Jimmy Bryant and Hank Garland and all those great uh, country guitar players. Hank Garland, from- I, I know. Yeah, I know some of them. I'm not as well versed as you are, but I'm, I'm fair, somewhat more familiar than your average person, probably. Yeah, man. So I I really enjoy going through uh, those old uh, Hank Garland. They're country jazz. I don't even know what kind of genre you would call it. It's almost country music, but it's not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it's like a puzzle learning these tunes. And um, I do it I do it uh, for myself, you know. But uh, I ended up taking those transcriptions and posting them. Uh, with like a little bouncing ball, you know, the tablature playing along with it. And I share these transcriptions and I make backing tracks for these tunes and um, just post it up all for free Mm -hmm. on uh, my website. So, I mean, there's lots of great Hank Garland, uh, Jimmy Bryant transcriptions. Um, I I even take Texas Troubadours pedal steel tunes and transpose them to guitar. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's, it's a blast. I, I think it's the, best way to uh to 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 learn to play the guitar is stealing from other people <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's something i need to do a, a, a i was gonna say a little bit but a lot more of i haven't really sat down and intentionally learned anyone else's music in a very long time like very long time so to the point where i'm it's kind of embarrassing but people will be like hey play a song and i'm like uh i um i don't know any songs um, I, I know, I know a lot of random riffs that I made up myself, but I, I can like, let's see, I think I can remember how to play smells like teen spirit. Uh, what other songs do I know? Uh, if we make it through December, I guess I could probably fumble my way through that one. I like barely know any songs anymore. So I, I kind of need to go back to stealing from other people to expand my vocabulary because it's becoming apparent that I'm, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a little stale. Yeah, dude, learn something, you know, steal something from a keyboard player you really like and try to play it on the, I, that's what I really enjoy doing. I steal so many pedal steel guitar licks. It's insane. Uh, you know, just find the thing you like and try ripping it off, man. That's <laughs> I, I get so much material that way. It's insane. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> well, man, uh, 
you know, we've we've been we've been at this for a little bit, and we're not we're not quite to the end of the episode, but I do feel like this is a good point to where I let before I get into the classic questions where we we wrap this thing up. This is where I like to give the guests the opportunity to take the floor and say whatever they want to say, shout out whoever they want to shout out, and uh, if they want to you know shout out their grandma or if they want to you know get a message out to a few thousand people right now. Uh, the floor is yours to say whatever you want to say before we get into the classic questions. Sure. Yeah. Check out shootoutsmusic.com. Uh, we have a full tour coming up uh, all the way through, um, I think, June. We have up. We have dates. We're playing all over the country. Come see us at a show. Uh, our record, Stampede, comes out February 24th. Um, it'll be available on all the streamers. You can head to shootoutsmusic.com, pick up a vinyl, a CD, a T-shirt, a hat, anything to support the band. It would mean the world to us. Uh, Grand Ole Opry debut on February 24th, the same day the record drops. Uh, I believe you could catch that at The Circle, uh, their streaming platform for the Grand Ole Opry. I'm sure we'll post something on the website, too. Um, so excited about the record to come out. Please check out our stuff. Yeah, and really do, people. It's very, very good. That is uh, why Brian's on the show today, because I, I do get hit up fairly frequently from media people, and I don't always get to get to everybody because I'm just one guy. But as soon as I heard their music, I was like, yeah, I got to get this guy on. This this rips. So everyone, go check out the shootouts. Do it now. Finish this episode, then go check out the shootouts. You will, Your ears will thank you. It's good stuff. It really is. <clears throat> All right, so the final questions. The first one, you, you might be able to answer this fairly quickly. Uh, what is your favorite boss pedal? Ooh, boss. The, the tuner? No, um, I like <laughs> Everybody the D- says I, that. <laughs> I, I, I like the, like the DD3. I use it all the time. The DD3. Yeah. I, the DD3 yeah. is, it just sounds fantastic. I know it's simple. It's straightforward. I love the sound of a DD3. And I just made a video on my Instagram the other day of the uh, original DD2 versus the long chip DD3. I'm pretty sure the internet rumors are true. I think they're the same exact pedal. They have the same <laughs> controls. The only difference is like a two and a three. I'm 99% sure that these are identical pedals. I pulled them apart. I didn't totally disassemble them, but I, I looked inside and I was like, I think these are the same. So, yeah, it's a uh, it was fun. Just kind of a back to back clip the other day, but yeah, DD three, good choice. I like it. Now, this is the question that gets a little dicey. Remember, I told you we were going to talk about pizza, right? Uh, I love pizza. Pizza is yeah. wonderful. What is your favorite <laughs> kind of pizza? Ooh, I'm, I prefer sausage over pepperoni. That's offensive to some people. I don't care. Sausage pizza, yeah, just plain sausage pizza, man. <laughs> I don't find that offensive at all. I, I mean, I love pepperoni. I, I think pepperoni is a crowd pleaser for a reason. It's, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. But there are times where I'm like, no, I need something more substantial. I need some spice, extra spice. I need some more yeah, thickness dude. on there. And uh, I, I will go for a nice Italian sausage. It's, it's really a, an undersung hero, I think, a little bit in the pizza For way. sure. 100%. Thin, are you thin crust guy? Generally speaking, yeah, I like a I like a thin crust. I like New York style, constantly. Yeah, New York's wanting to go grease, man. Ugh, I constantly want to go back to New York City <laughs> all the time. I love, 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 love New York City pizza. But recently, I've been kind of getting into Detroit style a little bit, which is obviously a mm. lot thicker. Is the sauce on top? Is that how Detroit style is? Uh, so no, the sauce isn't necessarily on top. Well, I'm sure there are some places that do that, but it's like a. It's a fairly thick crust. It's like a, you know, like a half inch or so. It's, but Mm -hmm. it's, if it's done right, it's not dense. It's like really airy in there. So it seems like, oh no, this is going to be a lot to eat, but it's actually just like nice and fluffy. And then they cook it in a pan. And if you get the corner piece, it's just like this, all this cheese that just gets encrusted and and grilled into it. It's just such a nice experience. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it's not something when I'm craving pizza, that's not really what I'm thinking about. Like, I'm not thinking about, oh, I, I really want a Detroit pizza. If I'm really craving pizza, it's it's like an Italian, like, wood-fired thing that I'm craving or a New York-style pizza. So, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Wood fire pizza is so good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Got a good spot in this town. So if you ever come mm-hmm. through, uh, let me know and I'll I'll get you the good pizza. I know I know where to point Heck. you. Heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I take that to mean I went on a tangent there, but I take that to mean you're a thin crust guy as well. Yeah, for the most part. New York's uh, greasy. The greasier, the better, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to shout out any uh, favorite Ohio pizzeria? Oh, there's a place here uh, I order almost weekly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blasiolas, man. It's a, it's only in Streetsboro, though. I live in a town called Streetsboro. It's a really small mom-and-pop shop, but it's great. Great pizza. Perfect. Hey, that. Those are sometimes like the ideal places in my book, the mom and pop mm-hmm. single location. Like this, yep. we've been doing it this way since, you know, grandpappy came from Italy and showed us how it was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I really, uh, I got, I got edumacated. I uh, got to know <laughs> you a little bit better and I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Like, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, maybe we'll uh, slide over to Patreon and we'll get a little bit weird. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right, everybody. For Brian, this is Blake. And also, as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. Another episode in the can. Thank you, as always, for checking out this podcast. I really appreciate it. And if you want more, the place to go is Patreon. And if you want to hear Brian and I get into cars, because, oh, boy, do we get into cars. You can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, and for five bucks a month, you can get access to all of those bonus episodes, which are numerous. There are hundreds of hours of content back there for you, and if you love this show and you want to help keep it going, that is an easy way to do it, and it's actually much less than an average cup of coffee these days, which is weird to say. It used to be about the same price as a cup of coffee, but now it's less than a Starbucks. So if you could do that, that would mean a lot to me, and if you also want the show, but you're just kind of tired of the ad format, which I do understand, but hey, my kids got to eat, you can go to patreon.com for three bucks a month and you can get access to the ad-free feed where you will have no interruptions whatsoever. And I appreciate everyone that supports over there. It really does mean a lot to me and it really does move the needle in a big way and help me keep doing this. I tell you, that got me through some pretty difficult times. There were definitely some months in years past where that made the difference between being able to record an episode that week or having to do something else to put food on the table. So thank you so much to everybody that's doing that. It really, really, really is huge. And if you can't do that, I totally understand. But if you could share this with somebody, please share this with somebody, please anyone, anyone you think might get something out of it, anyone you think would enjoy these conversations, please share this with them. It really, really does help a lot. Last year, the Tone Mob podcast was in the top 5% of shows shared on Spotify. Not top 5% listened, but top 5% of shared. And that is huge. That is absolutely huge because there are millions of podcasts out there. And I really appreciate you sharing this show with whoever you think might enjoy it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I will talk to you on the internet very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. 
Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.